Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Venus and Mars podcast. I'm your host, Anya Shack, and I just did an incredible interview with Michael Shaw, which you are about to hear. Michael's passion for helping men and women find freedom and truth in their skin is just so infectious, and you will hear it in his voice, in his energy, in his wisdom. So we first became connected through a mutual contact within the community of Brazilian Zouk. It's this dance that has literally taken my breath away and I can't wait to get deeper and deeper involved with. And upon meeting him, we began to unearth kind of our mutual passion for helping people understand masculinity better and just healing in general. So Michael, he's a psychotherapist. He's based in New York and he works with couples. He helps them connect to their deepest selves and he also coaches men to become their best selves too. So he's got a men's group and it's incredible just the reviews and what he does and how he supports people. What I thought would be a conversation focused solely on the phenomena of the mama's boy actually went so much deeper. You know, we started there, we unearthed the root cause of that. But in this conversation with Michael, we we kind of ended up going on this hero's journey, unearthing what it means to actually love another person in their wholeness, which means their darkness. We also cover why sexual attraction is just so inextricably linked to our early woundings. And we talk about loneliness and we talk about trauma and we, we really go there around helping people understand how the same we all are, how deeply interconnected we all are, and how we truly all share these, these experiences, this humanity. And I'm so excited for you guys to listen to this episode. So without further ado, here is the conversation with Michael Shaw. I'm so excited to learn from him today around a topic that I think just eludes and fascinates a lot of people. And that topic is understanding the psychology behind the phenomena of being a mama's boy. Mm. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I think I'm curious. I feel like I'm going to be a bit more of a um, a learner here because I guess for me, what I see with the mama's boy phenomenon is usually the, also I look at the, the emasculated fathers. I look at a lot of boys who look uh, almost almost unanimously, their fathers didn't display what a healthy masculine looked like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think uh, for me, the the information you share with me focus on the mothers, which I think is an interesting and important perspective. So I'm, I'm yeah. curious to hear more on what you think, and I will, will explore it with you. Yes, let's explore yeah. together. And thank you yeah. for saying that. That's why it's so beautiful when two people of different backgrounds can kind of mm-hmm. connect because yeah. you're absolutely right. The masculinization, masculinization of the father is super important to to acknowledge because if the father was more present, maybe the mother wouldn't feel so emotionally void and want mm-hmm. to connect with her son in such a maybe inappropriate mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. So I want to start and kind of set us up a little bit. I love to think about history and mythology and take all that we know from Mm -hmm. stories and kind of bring it into the modern context and what we see on pop culture and films. I think it helps us kind of understand where we're at. Mm -hmm. It's 2022. And so I'm going to read a little excerpt from Iron John, which is um, Mm -hmm. Robert Bly's most famous book. It's a book about men and um, it's very interesting to me. And so... There's an author, Marie Sandoz, in her book, There Were the Sioux. She mentions that the young Sioux boy, never after the age of of seven, 
looked at his mother in the eyes. So all requests were passed through his sister. Like, would you ask mother to repair my sandals? And then, you know, little Johnny wants his sandals fixed. And so when the task was finished, the mom didn't give her son the sandals. She had to give it to the sister. So then the sister then had to give it to the son because the Sioux were privy to a lot of sexual energy that was kind of exchanged when the mother and son look directly in the eye, specifically when the mother does things for the son. It kind of creates this like little prince syndrome. So it's like, here's all of these things I do for you. Mm -hmm. And so such precautions between mother and son seem a little absurd to us. Like they seem crazy. They seem pretty inhumane um, after the age of seven. But it is well noted that the Sioux men, once they were grown, they're famous for their lack of fear with women, their uninhibited conversations in the teepees, and their ease and sexual talk with their wives. Right. I'm fascinated by that. And right away, I think of a Sex in the City episode that I watched. I remember when it all came out. When Carrie is the main character, she is dating a writer who is over the top close to his family to the point where his mother is a sexual, a sex therapist and like has overly talked about sex with her son, um, I guess, since he was a small child. And so as it turns out, he has some incompetencies in, in sex. Like he has, he suffers from premature ejaculation and there are all these things, there are all these sexual kind of issues he suffers. I was just like in my mind, you know, cause they were asking the question, why does he do this? Why does he do this? Is he depressed? Is he lacking confidence? Is he, but to me, it seems like there's like a root cause here Mm-hmm. And it's this mother-son thing. So mm-hmm. I'm going to stop right there and I'm going to mm-hmm. pass it over to you and just mm-hmm. to understand what do you think about those two shares? Again, I think that's an interesting focal point. And I would say, where was the father in these dynamics? Mm. And I think what I do see is actually uh, often boys are more connected to their mothers. But if you ask why, almost unanimously, they say, well, my father was never around. I, he wasn't willing to talk to me about anything. Mm. Um, and so boys are uh, emotional creatures. It's like, because we're all emotional. Yes. And so who's the, uh, we, this is, of course, very unfortunate and part of this patriarchal problem that all human beings suffer from, yep. including men, of course, which is that uh, men are, and, and uh, up until very recently, this was so normal that men don't deal with feelings. And so that definitely encouraged and reinforced this abandonment of the humanity of all boys eventually became men and then became fathers who then reenacted the same kind of abuse and yeah. trauma that they, they had to live through because, of course, that's what we do and that's the way to be. And so who else do you have? Because you are a human being. Mm. So who do you go to when your father's not there? You go to your mom. You go to the feminine. You go to women. Yeah. Who do you have emotional expressions with? Only women expressing. I remember I had a, a, you know, for me, it's not just academic. I'm constantly looking at my own personal experience and then uh, reflecting on uh, academics. I remember I had a a friend who I felt was very, very um, hurtful. And I I, I definitely recall uh, talking to him about the way I felt, the way he was behaving. And he specifically said, you're talking to me like you're my girlfriend. Mm. which I thought was amazingly transgressive because I had been so human to him that he, it threatened his sense of identity. Mm. Um, and rather than tolerate the, the feelings, 
he goes to the the traditional, which is very, this is how all men are policed into being um, disconnected from themselves. Um, emasculation, uh, 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 homophobia, th- a fear of being feminine in front of another man, which is the ultimate insult. You are destroyed as a human being. All men fight tooth and nail to protect themselves from ever going to this place. Yeah. And if you are a healthy man, you are a man in general. Your only your main recourse if someone takes away your masculinity is violence. Yes, you're speaking such truth, like the high school jock that is like super mean to the feminine gay man. Meanwhile, all that's happening is he's covering up his fear of perhaps he might himself be attracted to this man, right? Like there's some level of like, I I have this suppressed feminine energy, maybe. Human, I would say feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Any sense of feelings. You're not allowed to have feelings. That's the feminine, which I would say is the boy. It's actually the boy, I believe. It's a complicated thing, but we call the feminine in men. But I think the boy, we don't talk about the boy. The boy is feelings. The boy is feminine. It's like which one is which, but it's complicated. I feel like when we we call it the feminine, we also don't spend any time talking about the brutalized and and abused boy who is told Mm -hmm. from the time he is, from as far back as he can remember, stop feeling your feelings. What's wrong with you? Calm down, right? That's horrible. Ugh. I love what you're saying. And just to kind of understand too, is what you're speaking to is, is all like symptoms of the West too, like uh-huh. domination culture, what happens in the West, yeah. um, in Europe, mm-hmm. in the United States, because people like Bly in his book, Iron John, uh-huh. he talks about that the whole point of men's work is to get the emotions back into the male sphere. Yes. Do you agree with that? Totally. That's my whole, that's what my men's group, is about yeah that's what i that's what i i fight for and my my intention is to reframe you know the idea as feelings is weak but feelings as as warriorship the courage to express and and embrace your humanity is the most brave thing that most men can do because it is so threatening now yeah fascinating you're so right because also it's in my view it's pure feminism too because it takes that emotional labor off of women like your friend said like you're talking to me like i'm you're my girlfriend why is it only the women that have to deal with our emotions of men right and that also facilitates a very problematic dynamic that eventually ends a lot of people up in my office or some therapist office because you know, these stereotypical dynamics of one person's very, the, the power dynamic is so lopsided. Mm-hmm. You know, you have kids and the, their fathers are, have no friends because yeah. all their friends are, you know, they have no real relate. Men have, this is a, this is a tragedy, another tragedy of the normal see of this problems. Yeah. Many men have no real friendships. Yeah. Everything is an acquaintanceship yeah. of activity-based engagement. No intimacy at all with any other men. You're so right. Absolutely true. And yeah, yeah, we were talking about this last time we spoke on our live and so many men have kind of DM'd me and said things to me like, yeah, every time I meet up with a group of guys, like it's for an activity and then we go home. Right. And maybe that's, that's okay. We can come from it like in, from a neutral position. Like, okay, if that's men's default, maybe we need to start to segment the way that men gather. 
Yes. Like, now we're yes. going to gather for conversation. All right. <laughs> yes. That's what I do in the men's group. It is very structured. Yeah. I guide them all the way through to the very end each week. And yeah. after months of guidance and structure, they start to find that there's space for them to be mm. creative and spontaneous. Mm. But I cannot tell you how many times at the first several months of week weekly meetings that if it wasn't directly told to them how they were going to uh, speak, they would just kind of be like, what do we do? What do mm. we do? I didn't believe, they don't believe, It's think of, it's a skill. Intimacy is a skill. Yeah. And where are we as men are practicing the, the, the art and the skill of intimacy with each other? Nowhere. Nowhere. So it's weird and foreign and scary yeah. and confusing. Uh -huh. Oh, that's, man. That's the point. To uh, teach. Yeah, you got it. You got it. So beautiful, Michael. Yeah. I love yeah. that so much. Yeah. It's just so good for relationships between men and women when men have intimacy with other men. Right. Wow. Yes. It's, it's out of control. Mm -hmm. You got it. Okay, so then maybe coming back to this mama's boy idea, uh -huh. perhaps there's that underlying lack of trust in other mm. men. Is that potentially mm. what it is? Now you're on to something. Yeah. Lack of trust. We do not trust each other. Mm. You know, you know, the thing is, we often hear about cattiness amongst women, that women are competitive. Right. right? That's right. But I actually, but the thing is, what I see is incredible. I mean, especially only... If you're like the, a very small percentage of men that went to like fraternities or were on like college sports teams or something yeah. like that, yeah. something that forced you into like a bonding thing that's lifelong and super intense, totally. most men don't have that. If you don't have that, most men see the pool of love as very finite and very and they're very competitive with each other. Mm. Most men don't support each other. They're right. like... I need to get the most money and I have to compete with the other men. And there's a hot woman, hot girl. I, oh, there's another dude that's going after her. He's my enemy. So common. Yeah. Breaking each other down. Mm. Yeah. The, uh, the idea that men are supportive of each other is mostly a myth. I, if you look at the, all the, the, the indices of dysfunction and pathology and loneliness yeah. Yeah. point to more men than women. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cardiac disease, which is um, a, a, a serious predictor. Interestingly enough, there's this amazing book I read a long time ago. It was like uh, something about uh, a cry unheard, uh, something about loneliness, but it was all this, it was, it was a, uh, a doctor's uh, exploration of the uh, medical consequences of loneliness. Mm. And there's a ton. And one of the main things is um, cardiac illness is significantly more likely if you feel chronically lonely. And that's much more men than women. Totally. Right. I, you know, I um, listened to this woman, her name is Uni Teratini or something, but she's mm -hmm. like this studier researcher on loneliness. And she talks yeah. about how most people don't realize that feeling lonely at times versus chronic loneliness are so distinct. And that chronic loneliness is actually the belief that you are not worthy of connection. Ooh, nice. That that's is what so believe it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah, so I true. Think. So if you're not worthy of connection, you can't be yourself. So then you can't be yourself. So then no one actually sees you. So you're in a sea of people that are disconnected from you and you're just this lone soldier. Yes. And women suffer from this problem for sure too. Absolutely. Yeah. I see yeah. that all the time yeah. in different ways. Um, and I don't want to discount that there's no, there's many women who suffer from this as well. 
Yeah. It's very human. Yeah. But in terms of the gender dynamics, I look at the gendering of men that amplifies this problem, um, not only just interpersonally, but also mm-hmm. societally, you know, mm-hmm. um, millions of men who feel that there's no one there for them, that women's progress comes at their, at men's, um, that, that that's weakening men. Because, and why? Because there's wow. this change, right? And that's loneliness. Well, if women aren't going to support me and men aren't supporting me, I'm alone. And that threatens me. Yeah. And I am angry and I need to lash out at yeah. the thing that I can that's safe to lash out at, which is women. Yeah, absolutely. And there you have the entire incel movement. Mm -hmm. Right. Wow. Oh, man, it's just so sad. And it's just so true because historically men are such tribal. I mean, men are such tribal people. They Mm -hmm. like thrive. And I like love to watch, you know, you'll you you see videos of like the Hakka from New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. I love that. You see that and you're just like, oh, you guys are so connected to each other. And that's yes. where your strength comes from. Yeah. Yes. That's what I really love about just the, the men's work opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because one of my main uh, goals, it's going to sound very paradoxical, but there's a very wild thing that lives in all human beings. Women have a wildness. Yes. You know, there's all this really wonderful uh, work around, you know, keep women wild and keep, you know, I think so many women with these tattoos actually just tattooed um leave them wild that book women that run with wolves wolves right yes yeah. yes um right um and honestly uh yeah oh, that's beautiful and i love wild women it's just amazing it's my i yearn for wildness in women and uh, yeah. that is rare for yeah. human beings in general but especially for men who yeah. are taught that they're especially now which is taught that um, any kind of inappropriate behavior, any kind of, and this is what you were talking about with cautious men. Yes. Cautiousness. Anything that might seem wild yeah. or threatening or sexual yeah. is most likely bad. Mm. And if a man, right? If a man can't, ex- I'm telling you, as a man, when I can't express express the animal in me, I feel like I'm trapped in a cage and I start to feel depressed. And I just have to really do a lot of uh, work around um, taking care of that part of me yeah. and learning how to express that. Yep. So I feel okay. But most men I know, I ask them this question. This is a really interesting question. Mm. How do you let the animal out of the cage in your life? Mm, great question. Mm, right? What do they most say? men are like, what do you, I don't even know. What this is how alienated men are from this stuff. They literally shrug at me and say, what animal? I don't know. Oh my gosh. And it's just sex life. It just makes me sad. You don't have an access to the wild thing in you. Mm. What's your, your bandwidth for just intimacy and, and, and ecstatic connection is so limited. Mm. And just the wildness is ecstatic. It's mystical. It's transcendent. It's yeah. dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. But it comes from a healthy man who through his connected heart. It's healing to him. Absolutely. It's incredible. I mean, he literally, this is right. the entire story, a young boy being guided by the wild man, his own yes. wild man to yes. like 
find himself. And funny enough, he talks about how obviously everything's on a spectrum. There are wonderful Mm -hmm. things about everything and terrible things about everything. So including things like the church, right? But when the church goes to the bad side, they want to suppress, right? They want to suppress people's individuality. So we talked about how any sort of wildness or sexuality obviously was labeled as shameful and Uh And so what they would do is they would actually treat the wild men the uh-huh. same way that they would treat witches. Oh, they wow. would find them and burn them at the stake because it wow. was some sort of sacred, sexual, spiritual thing that they were just yes. trying to suppress. Yes, that's sad. And I think one of the real challenges now is how do you have a healthy relationship with the wildness in the modern world where there are so few examples of it? And mm. then we we try, we try, we think, okay. Well, let's imagine, I think wildness is authenticity. And then I see a man bloviating and just constantly simplistically saying he's winning everything. He Mm -hmm. is such a confident man. He is a man, right? But that's, that's because we have so few examples of what it looks like to be a strong and powerful and wild man who also is human, who also can say, I made mistakes. I feel sad. I feel hurt and all these other things. There's no, there's just so little bandwidth for men to even imagine this as a ask. I would, uh, you, and I would ask um, any person listening, ask men, you know, if they, how many men they know who are mature, emotionally developed role models. I would love to hear that answer. It would probably be less than one hand, maybe one or two fingers. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think we're different in that we like are looking for these men out in the world, even in the digital sphere. So maybe we have more examples, but in your day-to-day life, probably less than five for sure. What's that? I mean, for me is, I wonder for you, like as, as just you speaking with your friends and as a woman, what it's like for you to just see this, this this phenomenon unfolds in your life yeah well it's definitely you know it's something that causes a lot of division and scarcity so i think the way we talk about wildness and authenticity it's almost like the capacity for infinite love it's very spiritual Mm, yeah Mm. i love it and it's Mm -hmm. it's who we all really are men and women Mm -hmm. and then i think we embody our human bodies and we have to survive and there's scarcity yeah. and we're told yeah. that it's them or us yeah. and we have to compete. I think that causes the tension perhaps out there because it's very tragic to me to see. I think this is what I've noticed lately that is a little hard to kind of bear even sometimes is um, women even if they're not telling me things like what you're doing is stupid, men are fine, like ignore them. They've, they've, they've done enough, you know, and like all of those types of things that a lot of women say, a lot of women are just, they're ignoring it. Like they don't want to look at men Mm. Ah. and go through. Yeah. Scary. I wonder why, what do you think? A lot of my friends too, like a lot of friends from the past, like, as I've become more invested in this work, and this is definitely like my purpose and what I want to be doing mm-hmm. with my life, there's almost like a separation. Like mm. they don't want to talk about this. Yeah. But you know, yeah. that makes me really wonder 
you know, yeah. because there's this really amazing book, which is super, it's, it's dense and it's heavy, but it's yeah. profound. It's called uh, Trauma and Recovery. Mm. Um, and it's just, it's a, a brilliant history of just the concept of trauma. And it only really um, uh, came about in the last about uh, 100-ish years that we even consider this shell shock. Um, and how societally, we it was so threatening to even imagine that soldiers could have this concept of trauma that it was um, buried. There was something uh-huh. wrong with the soldiers. This is amazing. And so I think about how we uh, as human beings are so scared, just human beings in general are so scared of the, and this is why I really encourage exploration of negative stuff because everyone's like negative is bad, but I'm like negative is just the other side of the coin. And the darkness is the doorway to the light. Yes. So if we, if we can look at what really hurt us, we can look at this is the humanity that's that's in within all of us everyone has been hurt i've been hurt you've been hurt um and when we can make space to imagine this is the hardest thing for us as human beings in the modern world imagine what it would be like to be in your shoes if if i took the time to get to know you but imagine anya what it's like to be you Mm -hmm. it would be it would be you would find very pretty quickly wow this is a is a wonderful experience and i feel something like closeness i guess or i feel relaxed and Mm. i guess you'd sum up maybe say safe why because for this is what we're all avoiding is i don't want to ever let you in because it's too scary for me Mm. and i reject you so you're saying what is this collective trauma of men what you're saying is what is what we are doing as human beings i don't want to look at the hurt in your experience and so therefore you're never allowed to show it to me and you're never allowed to be a human being which only reinforces a cyclical problem that we all don't like right emotional unavailability crappy connections shallow sexual connections casual sex all the time yes absolutely you you have to see the the whole human being you have to choose that Mm. that's a lifestyle i guess Mm, you know what so I'm talking about? Said Michael, so beautifully said. I think um, because if we don't, then we, it's not like it goes away. It stays. We don't release any of it and it stays and it grows. And that is what mm. we continue to perpetuate yes. over and over again. So it's almost like when you're unwilling to see the darkness in someone else, you're, you're pretending like you're separate from them. Yes. Like you're, you're somehow different and you don't have your own darkness, which is a big fat lie. Yes. Yes, it is. You got it. <laughs> and the skill is why, and this is the really interesting, this is me as a therapist, really mm-hmm. exploring this. The, the hard part is understanding because they actually, most people do genuinely believe they are separate. Yeah. Right. This is part of the wounding and the yes. training of being human. We're all separate. And therefore with a lot of us depending on how you believe. If you're separate and you feel like you don't have a lot, you're automatically, everyone around you is a competitor. It's just, it's very capitalism friendly, right? Totally. Um, competition. But you just really nailed that, uh, uh, the separateness. And who taught you that you're, it's not okay? This is the interesting question. Who taught you that it's not okay to go into these dark places? Mm. You learned this. Absolutely. And that's a story, right? 
Absolutely. We huh. learn this. I mean, as a kid, anytime there's some level of crazy emotion that's not founded in logic or whatever, that's just pretty standard as a toddler, especially we're told to suppress it. Yes. Um, that's bad. That's wrong. Don't do that. That's wrong. You're wrong. All of it. And lately I've been finding there's so many wonderful resources now for parents. And I, I'm really in honor and like in awe of the parents that kind of allow their image as parents to go out the window so they can actually be present for what their kids are feeling. Yes. I yes, think that's really cool. Yes. It's, it's exciting. <laughs> you know, it actually makes me, and this is why I have so much. Uh, so basically what I was talking to you about is this, yeah. this is concept. It's called it's radical and wild. It's called, empathy <laughs> oh my god right? i've never heard of it <laughs> i know but we suck at it we suck at it especially okay. nowadays it's amazing literally all all of the people all the couples i've ever worked with when i ask them to empathize with each other unanimously can't do it they've mm -hmm. chosen to live with each other married with kids can't do it mm. it's actually normal to now be extremely limited in your empathic capacity I can get into that at another time, but that's just sure. what's normal. Sure. Um, and see, the amazing thing is even that stuff we talked about, like women that aren't interested in men's world. Yeah. And the amazing thing is for me, healing, it's all wounding. Yeah. And I've worked with some women and they, woo, I've had some amazingly challenging women who have yeah. been so hurt by men. Yeah. And they've lashed out at me. They've kind of projected things at me, but it's always underneath that is, well, you remind me of my father who was out of his freaking mind and who was scary. Um, and, uh, and, or, and then, uh, so men are not safe. And then I chose men because I was scared and I didn't feel good about myself who were also scary. Um, and so now I don't feel safe around men. And I, I, but I want to, this is a human, right? So human. I want to be loved by a man, totally. but I don't feel safe. And so I have this kind of thing where I push men away and then need them to be close. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's very, uh, oh, it's very uh, and complicated. But underneath that is just, there's a part of every, there's a child, the boy and yeah. man and girl, but yeah. who's just like, I don't feel safe. And yeah. I don't know how to be close to you without something else happening, depending on your personal narrative. And the journey is, can you be curious about the, this is of course, in more meaningful relationships. This is what I want for everyone. But yeah. if you have a relationship with someone that's not working, maybe be curious. Why, what's going on with you yeah. that's making this feel so intense? What's underneath? And almost always, so, you remind me of my dad or my mom. It's just, and that's the, that's the hard part is mm. there's no, where, I don't know where in your life that exists casually, where in the world we actually talk about something below the surface of just mm -hmm. here's the behavior that's happening and that guy's an asshole or oh. he's a jerk or oh. she's a bitch, right? Whatever. Yeah. You know, what is underneath that? That's beautiful. You know, I was actually just thinking about this. I recently read a book, Existential Kink by Karen oh. Elliott, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. I right. loved how she outlined, she just talks about the shadow and the darkness in a really unique way, in yes. the way that we need to learn how deeply turned on by some of the dark shit that we are. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm talking about. But yeah, so that yes. we can learn to yes. release it. So yes. a great example would be like, 
I guess a great example would be like, this is like the, I guess, pre-existential kink way to do it. I am so mad at myself. There's something wrong with me because I keep attracting unavailable men, right? Mm -hmm. The loving your darkness part of it and actually releasing the truth would be, I absolutely love attracting unavailable men because it Uh, keeps me safe and it makes uh, certain that I don't actually have to go into any sort of intimacy or vulnerability or death with anyone. I literally am loving. I love it. And that's why it keeps happening over and over again. Yes. That's the, that's the truth. Yeah. That's that's what I t- I tell people. I was like, yeah. what's this what's this doing for you? Totally. You're not you're like, oh, well, this sucks. No, no, you love it. You love you, it. Yeah. You love fucking up your life. You love being hurt. Um because actually it's what the truth is is usually that's a trauma. Yeah. And yeah. it's an it's a deeply ingrained belief that's like frozen in time from very young life and it's like well, that's what I believe. That's what my nervous system has literally adapted to. Therefore, I perceive the world in this way. I get activated when I meet a woman who's deeply unemotionally unavailable, uh, emotionally unavailable, because that's what I knew growing up. And it sucks. I know a part of me, a part of me loves it. And a part of me wants something better. Absolutely. Right? So and part of you, I think. I love that. You know, can we talk about, because I think this part is really fascinating. Why our wounding is linked to our sexuality, like our sexual mm. attraction. Why is it that somebody mm. that had an unavailable father right. finds herself unable to actually feel attracted to available people? Right. I guess I would ask you that one because that one seems like you have some thoughts and I'm so curious about them. Well, that's definitely my history. Yeah. Pretty, uh-huh. Like healing work. Right. Absolutely. Like it's almost like you don't know what you don't know. You're in like a foggy, hazy space and people are telling you like, why are you attracted to this person? They're not even good looking. They're not even consistent. Oh. They're not even yeah. smart. They're not even on your intellectual level. Like they don't even communicate properly. Like yes. all these things that are just like unaligned. But for some reason, it's that like, that unavailability and that coldness and that distance yes. that sparks literal sexual desire. Yes. It's wild to me. That happens yes. over and over again during my right. 20s. Yeah. And that's very human. I would say it's incredibly yeah. normal. Yeah. Um, and I can relate deeply. I'm the master of emotionally unavailable women. If, if you're unemotionally un- unavailable, somehow I will find <laughs> you and you will... Want to be attached to me, and if the ma- if I have this really big problem, if you look at me adoringly, my brain turns off, and I'm like, "Oh, you're not for me, but you are so excited about me. Fuck all the red flags. Oh, let's, totally. let's drag me through the mud." Um, and that never goes well for me. So anyway, um, but that's a deeply uh, those kinds of um, reflexes are just so deeply rooted in the attachment system yeah and the attachment system um, is influenced whole uh, wholeheartedly um and it's your nervous system being re- is wired so you get activated you're you sense feelings and sensations and so this person has some subconscious energy that feels familiar yeah um and it feels and you're attracted to it because it's somehow it's it's there and what healing is, is, is the hard part is even knowing this doesn't solve it for sure. In fact, knowing it can make it hard for a while because you can watch yourself like a 
weird robot yes. walk like a zombie into a <laughs> shitty relationship and be like, oh my God, I know this person's bad, but I'm here with it. What the <laughs> fuck am I doing? Um, that's why it, it's it's the, the I feel like relational work. That's why I'm such a big proponent. And obviously it's my job and my profession and my calling is relational healing. Yes. In the end, rewiring the nervous system and your mind is a physiological and relational thing. In, the, in front of somebody, ideally some close friends help, but also a professional Absolutely. who can sit with you and feel the intensity of whatever shit you have hidden from the world. Your shame, your rage, a thing that you are not allowed to touch unless you're in the most intense space, which is sexual often. Yeah. And by then it's already just you're reenacting the thing because all of us want to do is fix the original wound and mm -hmm. move on. But you can't. Because none of these people are the original wounder. Right. right? So but you, you just keep get... replaying it over and over again. Yes. Until somebody says, okay, what part of you is so hurt that they don't feel safe? You know, and I don't, and the truth is most people will discover, and this is the thing that takes time. It's not just knowing Yeah. that, that hurt, there's a part of you that's so hurt that you mentioned it. They don't feel worthy of love. Right. They don't feel worthy of love. So, yes. I mean, it just makes sense that yes. there's no way you would attract someone that could actually give you love. There's just no way if you're not worthy of it in your mind. Yes, you live your life like that. People live their whole lives. I, I can watch people's lives yeah. and find out these core stories before they five minutes into talking to me because it's so endemic. You mm -hmm. do things that what's the story? Why would you do this to yourself? If And people go, oh, it doesn't make any sense. I'm lazy. No, you're not lazy. You just don't believe you deserve to be okay. Deep down, it's not, you never believed it was possible. You think it's, in that part of you thinks forever they're broken in a piece of shit. Man. Oh. Yeah. And then this is where that connection comes in. I think this is a really key moment in this work, in this healing. I definitely went through like a true corrective dad experience with my life coach and yep. his energy. So for him to show up, be present, rewrite my story, amazing. But also to know that almost everyone else feels the exact same thing in some way. Yes. You know, and just to like, let that be okay. Like, yes, like I've done this. I feel this. I experienced this. I deeply underneath it all, like have wanted this reality. And now I can release it so I can have the true reality that I really want. Yes. Yeah. And that's exciting. That's really exciting. I'm, I'm happy for you to hear that. Really Thank cool. you. Yeah. yeah. And I just hope people hearing this can kind of just like, resonate and just be like yeah me too you know so many women have shared with me especially when I've kind of talked a little more in depth around my father and stories around like my history and my upbringing and some of the yes. trauma that happened there they're just like oh like me too me too and there's just this yes. constant understanding and I think I'm so familiar with the father issues experience uh -huh. And that's why I'm fascinated by the mother issues experience yes. for men. Yes. Well, I would say the yeah. thing is that one of the, this is a little secret that I know that's okay. very rare. Okay. So I'm going to tell you, Woo! this is the most, one of the most dangerous things that a man can ever say because mm -hmm. it directly contradicts 
all of the conditioning that he is told by pretty much everyone everywhere, including mm. all the norms uh, today that are very loud and intense, mm. that men are privileged, men are empowered, men are all, all, the, all the things that they want, they've got, you know, yada, just cudgeling their humanity sure. into this simplistic narrative. Sure. But the truth is, I know many men who, in truth, have been so wounded, some of them by their mother specifically, mm-hmm. that as grown men, they walked eyes wide open into very painful relationships with women that either emotionally neglected or abused them, or sometimes even physically. Mm-hmm. They hit them, they slapped them, whatever, mm-hmm. or just emotionally abandoned them constantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this bullshit concept of chasing that I deeply resent and want to want to really encourage men to stop doing. Yeah. It's like, well, I just need I don't want to feel chased. No, that's you setting up a dynamic that from the beginning. You, your partner's always going to have to, uh, you always got to do a little bit more. Mm. And then it only gets worse and worse. But the thing is, the truth is, what the story is, is uh, most men, this is a secret, uh, many, I'd say some men, is they don't want to admit that they didn't know how to protect themselves from women mm. that hurt them. They abandoned themselves and they never admitted because to do that, would be to say, you are not a real man. Mm. You are not a worthy man. You are the weakest man on the planet because everyone says you should always be stronger than women. But I'll tell you, mm. time and time again, I see, and some of the men I work with weep at how wounded, deeply wounded they are by their partners. Yeah, And it just breaks my heart because there's no space for them. I'm the only person that holds that for them. And I wish for them to find other men, but there's no one out there for them right now so yeah. far. Yeah, But that's fucked. And then the problem is if you can't process that grief, which is yeah. so human, women have grief too. Absolutely. But men in this grief of being, I abandoned myself over and over and over again. I never protected myself. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Well, Who's going to have, right? Yeah, go for it. Oh, it sounds like his little boy is like screaming in agony and crying in agony. It's like yes. he didn't show up for himself. And lo and behold, isn't that, the thing that women can sense too. It's almost like lack of strength and yes. like an emasculate, emasculating yes. thing. Yeah. Yes. The rage that the feminine the women, these women have towards these emasculated men, you don't show up for me and I resent you for that. So I crush you, which only makes the problem worse. Worse. And the women don't have a powerful man that supports them, which only in, inflames their resentment. And it just endlessly cycles. Uh, you know, because somewhere along the way, their moms uh, emasculated their fathers yeah. and their fathers didn't show or their fathers didn't show up for them in some way. Yeah. And so you have this like, gen- again, the hardest thing to see it, why it's so hard to change. Yeah. You, this isn't your shit. This isn't my shit. It's my parents shit and their grandparents shit. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. how are you going to be Khaleesi and break the chains? Totally, dude. Yeah. And I, it's in every way. And we all have those parental histories on top of cultural stuff, on top of like geographic stuff, on top of so many things. I mean, it's like my family, we immigrated to this country from the former Soviet Union in 1993. And like my grandmother was like a Holocaust survivor. It's like there's like literal survival tactics in the 
bodies of all of these people. So like they're living in scarcity. And so if people are just constantly living in scarcity, they're literally surviving. And then I'm born into this like new world, new space place with all these resources to heal, to change, to impact others, to live for purpose and not just survival. That's a freaking huge tall order. And it, it takes a lot and it's exciting. Indeed. Wow. You're right. And that's why I say Khaleesi, the breaker of chains. She was brutalized. I love that character. And I want everyone to imagine this is no small feat to change your destiny. Yeah. You know, it's the hero's journey. You're going to go through hell. But if you have the courage and you find the right guide who has the tenacity to go there with you into the darkness, there's incredible hope. And that's what I really want to like just cement all this ugly stuff that's there there's hope there's hope for healing and growth and change um the most important thing is don't do it alone you won't get there and you're going to be very disappointed and fight i would say it's like dating unfortunately you might have to find a a couple different guides yeah will take you along the way on different legs of your journey and don't give up if a couple of them aren't the right fit yeah, I think that's really beautifully said. Just like in life, there are yeah. there's expiration dates for certain relationships from a very neutral position. Nothing bad happened. The time is up. That's so, so powerful. I just like love learning from you, Mike. I think, thank you for sharing your wisdom, your knowledge, your passion for helping men and women heal. And I, I think it's my passion as well. And I guess the final thing to say really is like mm-hmm. no healing happens without empathy. Just That's like right. you've been talking about, we've been talking about this whole, this whole hour. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your curiosity Anya. It's really a privilege. Uh, I feel like you've made so much space for this conversation to happen. And it's such a, a wonderful experience whenever I get to talk about these things and that I deeply, deeply care about. Um, and to have a container where you, which, you, which you've created is just oh. a real privilege. Thank you. Of course. That makes me yes. so happy and I'm excited to continue. Yes. Where can the people find you? You're based in New York, but yeah, yes. just share a little bit about where they can access you. I like Instagram. It's a fun place. So you can find me there at the Dow, T-H-E-D-A-O of Mike. You can find me at my website at Mike shawtherapy.com long story long story about the shui it's a uh, uh, no time to go there now but anyway I Mike Shaw is my last name because i thought it was shui so just real yeah. quick please yeah so um anyway i live an awesome life and it's super creative and i'm full of uh, artistic adventures and uh you know in my past life i was a clinical social worker and i found that i was i i got the impression through many subtle gestures and some explicit gestures that my lifestyle was way too out of the box for my peers. And I would be um, prejudiced for my interesting and exciting lifestyle. Um, And I didn't want to ever, I I, I never wanted to have to explain myself if someone found me online and be like, whoa, man, what are you doing uh, at like 11 PM on a Tuesday night out dancing, you know, with all these, this is a very close dance or, wow, you have glitter on your, your outfit. what did you do last night or whatever? You know, I just, yeah. I was, and I was in the burning man world and that was very eccentric at that time. It just, it just stuck. Everyone called me Shui and I was like, eh, 
I'll leave it for now. So thank you for that. I was wondering. So now I'm clear. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that. Um, and there's a really, I, I love this. Um, there's this uh, website called ZocDoc. And if you look me up at Michael Shaw ZocDoc, um, I have, um, uh, it's really hard for me to read them because they're just the nicest things people have ever said about me. Aww. And these are my reviews. This is like, I keep it there. I don't need any more clients right now, really. But I keep it there because it's just such an incredible um, wealth of just personal transformation narratives that people have written about the experience with me. And you are welcome to read them if you want, um, if you're curious about what this does. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much the ways to find me. Yep. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Mike. And I will leave all those links uh, at the bottom of the episode here. Yes. And thank you again and for yes. your time. And I can't wait to do this again. New topic. Same here. Love it. Awesome. Okay. Look forward to it. Thanks, everybody. And see you next time.